reference to some events that are happening in uh, the next couple days this week that you will not want to miss out on. Bible memory class, hide and seek, YMCA, 11.30 Monday mornings. We had 21 last Monday. And tomorrow you get a guest teacher, Allison Hitchings is going to be here. And two awesome memory verses, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and Galatians 2, 20. And she said she's bringing hand motions. So be there. It's going to be awesome. Uh, Would love to see us crack that 25 to 30 mark every Monday, 1130 at the Y. Reload for Men, Tuesday, 6 a.m. Samuel's going to be leading this time. And it's going to be a a great gathering, a great breakfast, and a chance to be in the Word and to study as men. All men are welcome. If you've never been to Reload, it's not too late. 6 a.m. cable building this Tuesday. And then this Saturday is the Pancake Fundraiser Breakfast. Uh, I think it gets rolling about 7 o'clock. And are are there any students that are selling tickets? Anybody selling tickets? Find these people, buy tickets from them, buy them at the door, spend a lot of money, eat a lot of sausage and pancakes. It's a win-win all the way around. I was asked to update the congregation on some of our special offerings. We, We did a Thanksgiving special offering for our benevolence ministry. We did a Christmas special offering for the DeWitt County Drug Coalition. And you can see the amounts. Both were in the neighborhood of $3,600, $3,600, a little bit more, and that's awesome. We have an Easter special offering coming just around the corner. Easter is five weeks from today, and um, the Easter special offering this year is for Little Galilee and their dining hall project, and I'm just going to set a crazy goal of at least $10,000 that I would lo- love to see come in. I know some of you are giving me the big saucer eyes, and you're saying, can we really do $10,000? We can, and um, let's make it happen. We could blow that away if we wanted to. What a great cause. What a great project. You'll hear more about that next week from Bob Phillips. Two weeks ago, Barb O'Donohue from COPE was with us, and she did a presentation during the Bible school hour, and uh, we kind of did an impromptu offering. We grabbed a couple baskets and just passed them around, and $912 came in. I was able to see Barb on Friday morning. She's getting ready to go back to Africa. She's taking a couple Clintonites with her. Rich Turney and Josh Turney will be gone for a couple weeks, so we need to lift them up in prayer. They leave on March, I believe, 23rd. I think that date is correct. We continue our core value series, and uh, we've been um, doing this since early January. If you have your bulletin, look at the cover of your bulletin. We've given you your mission every week. Um, we, We exist to love God and build the church and reach the world, and we've given you the core values that drive that mission. And we've talked about word and worship and prayer and growth and hope and invitation, and today we're talking about gathering. And today I'm going to preach some, but I'm leaning on some people that are really living out what it means to embrace this core value of gathering. So I have asked Jim Weichel. Jim's been an elder at our church for many, many years. He is now retired as an elder. He's not retired as a Christian, though, and he continues to be very actively involved in a Bible school class that's been a part of his life for a long time. So will you welcome Jim Weichel, please? Good. I want to digress just a little bit here before I start. Is that all right, Greg? Digress. <clears throat> How many attended any type of Bible study during the 9.30 to 10.30 hour? Raise your hand. Great. 
For those of you who did not raise your hand, you've missed out on one of the finest opportunities you will have in a learning setting. Urge you to take advantage of the Bible school classes around this church. <clears throat> now I forgot what else I was going to say. <laughs> no, uh, the other thing I was going to say is I don't often get to second service. I'm a first service guy. And I'm glad to see the crowd we have here at second service because the older folks this morning, many of them forgot to set their clock. Uh, and it does my heart good to see the young folks that are in this church. Because Greg, I think it was 208, we did the survey. We did a survey in 208, and what it told us was age-wise, we were becoming an old church. And that if we don't bring the young folks into this church, it would die. I'm happy to see the number of young folks that are in this church, and I love to see the little kids that are running around. I love little children. Okay, enough of that. <clears throat> I'm supposed to tell you what Sunday school class means to me. I could say it means everything and just sit down and leave. But I got a few other things I want to talk to you about. Uh, I'm in the Faith Builders class, and I've been a member of that since probably beginning of early 60s. They say the class started around the early 50s or late 50s, but I was in Pennsylvania at that time. So when we came back to Illinois in, in 59, uh, we joined the Faith Builders class. But my first re recollection of Sunday school was in a building at the corner of Adams and Monroe Street. Anybody know that there was a church there? Well, the cornerstone that was laid in 1889 resides out there in the beyond the foyer, just as you come in, as you turn, turn right, and it's over there. It's still there. And no, I wasn't there when they dedicated that church. <laughs> However, I have fond memories of that church because my parents took my brother and my four sisters and I to worship. And eventually, when I grew old enough, probably when I was in grade school, I started attending Bible study. Back then, we called it Sunday school. <clears throat> now, again, why do I remember that particular church? I remember it because the building was destroyed by fire in 1945 when I was 12 years old. Now, the congregation could have said, well, okay, that's, that's it. We'll just have to start building but what are we going to do about services? Well, for the next three years, we met in the old high school gymnasium for worship and other 
buildings around town. Three years we did that. And I remember that they thought enough of Sunday school that there was an old YMCA building, three-story building, that sat at the corner of Center and Jackson Street. And if you don't know where that's at, it's right across the street from the Presbyterian Church, and it's the old Save lot parking lot down on that corner. And I remember going to Sunday school up on the third floor. And back in those days, and I, I can't tell you, at least for the youth, any, it was not a mixed class. It was boys only. And we continued doing that for the next three years. Services continued around town until the cornerstone, if you look out at the main street, corner of Main and Jackson, out at the Family Life Center, there's a stone down there that says 1947. That's when the cornerstone was laid and the church opened in 1949. But all that time, in those three years, we continued service and we continued Sunday school. And I attended those. Then, long in my career, in the 1970s, somebody said, you ought to be teaching Sunday school. So I began teaching fifth grade boys. If you want a challenge, <laughs> teach fifth grade boys. Then I taught the Crusaders class. Then I started subbing for uh, the Faith Builders class. Then as the, and then as their full-time teacher after Sandy Gamber and Joe Murray decided they would retire. And I continued teaching and eventually Greg came to be our minister. And prior to him taking over the class, my last stint with that class was five and a half years I taught faith builders class. Now, Bible school is one of the best learning environments that you could be in. Our class is in the Word as other classes. There's caring, sharing, discussion, fellowship, and a love for God and Jesus and each other that never stops. And that's what Bible school means to me. Thank you. Thanks. Good word. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So what's the Bible say about gathering? Why is this one of the ten core values that we're saying you need to be excited about as a church, you need to be excited about as families, you need to be excited about as an individual and say, I, I want to have that as a part of my DNA. I want to be, be a part of a group because th that's what I want to do. Well, the Bible does speak to it, and I'm going to give you three different snapshots this morning. We're going to look at some scripture from the early part of the book of Acts, snapshots from the early church. We're going to look at a couple words of encouragement from the writer of, of the book of Hebrews, and then we're going to see what Jesus had to say about gathering together. In Acts chapter 2, we find these words at the end uh, of this chapter. 
talking of the first Christians, it says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread and to prayer, and that everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together, and they had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all of the people. And then at the end of Acts chapter 4, Peter and John have had this little run-in with the Sanhedrin. They did a miracle. The religious leaders weren't excited about it. And, and they said, you got to stop talking about Jesus. And they said, we're not going to stop talking about Jesus. And at the end of that encounter, we find this description of these first Christians. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had with great power. The apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was on them all. There were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them. They brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. And I think Acts 2 and Acts 4, and really the entire book of Acts, teaches us, this is the first takeaway, that gathering together in Christ facilitates healthy Christian community. You need healthy Christian community. You may not realize that you need it, but you need healthy Christian community. Can you do faith all by yourself? Yes, you can. Do people want to do faith all by themselves? Many do. Acts teaches us that there is something very special about Christian community. Jim could have talked for an hour. I wouldn't let him, but he could have talked for an hour about how much his Christian community means to him. I've been, they do a wiener roast every year, their class, out at Barb Baker's house. And I mean, they love one another in the Lord. And they're reminiscent about the 1960s and reminiscent about the 1990s, and they love being together. That's a picture of authentic Christian community. I, I love these two phrases. I want to put them up on the screen. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. You know, there's so much that divides us. There's so many differences between the people that are gathered here. We've got a good second service crowd today, and if we started trying to figure out the differences that we have with maybe um, the, the jobs that we have, the types of houses that we live in, maybe even the communities where we live, the communities that we come from, and there's a lot of the baseball teams that we cheer for, whatever it may be, there's a lot that can divide us. But when we experience authentic Christian community, we're coming together and we will have the most important thing in common. That's a relationship with Jesus Christ. I love this phrase from Acts chapter 4. If you're an underliner, underline it in your Bible. Even if you're using a pew Bible, underline the pew Bible. The next person that reads it will be blessed by this. Much grace was upon them. I love that. Much grace was upon them. I don't know about you. I need that for my life. I need a whole bunch of grace to be upon me. And when these first Christians gathered together and they had everything in common and they, they were devoted to the teaching of the apostles and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and, and prayer, much grace was upon them. Let's move on. Hebrews chapter 10, 
We don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews. Um, it doesn't really matter who wrote the book of Hebrews, but whoever wrote the book of Hebrews gives us this encouragement that is normally thought to be talking about a gathering like this. There's probably maybe 300 people gathered together for this worship service right now. But more than likely, the writer of the Hebrews wasn't thinking of a beautiful sanctuary with a 20-foot ceiling. He was probably thinking about a house where maybe 50 people were gathered together or 30 people were gathered together. Or 15 people were gathered together. And here's what he encourages them. He said, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching the day of Jesus. The day Jesus comes back, what he's talking about there. And so I've got a tough truth for us today. Here's the tough truth. It's easy to get lost in a church this size if all you do is 1045 worship. And I don't like that. In fact, sometimes that moves me to the point of tears that there are people that fade out the back door and, and they're not missed right away. And that, that, that stinks. There's words I could use that are not appropriate to really describe how I feel about that. I despise that that is a fact, but that's a fact. And I don't do a good enough job as a pastor, and we don't do a good enough job as a leadership closing that, but that's a reality. But now here's what I want you to understand. If you're in a Christian community, say the Faith Builder Sunday School class, or you're in a group reload, or plan G or you know, coffee break, whatever it may be, uh, more than likely there's going to be kind of that sense that, wow, where is she? Where is he? I wonder if something's going on. This Hebrew scripture teaches us that gathering together in Christ brings two things. It brings encouragement, but it also brings accountability. And you need encouragement but you also need accountability. Um, honestly, there, there's times we don't want to do faith. There's times we don't want to do church. There's times we don't want to get out of bed. We want to just hit snooze. And especially when you lose an hour of sleep, that's really a, a challenge that's out there. And I need accountability and you need accountability. And when you're a part of a gathering, when you're a part of a group, you have more encouragement you have more accountability. I love this phrase, spur one another on toward love and good deeds. I'm in a, a group text with our staff, and we still let Adam be a part of it, even though he left us and moved to Ohio. And there's a lot of laughter that goes on, and you know most of it's appropriate. But what I love about that is the encouragement that goes on. We just got done with a, a retreat this weekend with the leaders and the ministers, and I, I got a text this morning right as I was kind of in scramble mode. This person needed this, and this person needed that, and I got to get on an airplane for India tomorrow, and I haven't packed anything, and you know the list is just piling up in my mind, and I get this little text. It is such a joy to serve with all of you in ministry. That's the encouragement that I needed at 7.37 this morning. And when you have that community, you get that encouragement. You get that spurring on one another. Here's the second thing. Let us encourage one another. From Hebrews 10, let us encourage one another. 
Third scripture is an odd scripture to throw in here, and Samuel suggested it this week, um, and, and I knew it, but I didn't realize the context that it's in. Um, Matthew 18 is in the context of church discipline, actually, and I'm not going to talk about church discipline today, but I want to grab a hold of Jesus' words at the end of this kind of chunk of scripture teaching on church discipline because it, it really reinforces what we're trying to drive home today, and here's what it is. Jesus says, again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, there I am with them. And so truth number three is this gathering together in Christ is really, truly gathering with Christ. And so can you do faith all by yourself? You can do faith all by yourself, but you shouldn't. Jesus says right here, when 2, 3, 4, 10, 12, 15 are gathered together, take it to the bank. I'm there. I am there. That's the tag phrase. I am there with them. So let's talk about the world. This is kind of part two each week. We've looked at word and world and witness, and the world's not going to be very long this week, but I'm just kind of asking a rhetorical question. Why is gathering such a tough nut to crack for the local church? Why is it such a tough nut for our church to crack? Why is it that 600 people come to worship services, but less than 300 people take the Jim Michael advice and, and grab a group at 930 and say, I'm studying Philippians with you. I'm studying the book of Acts with you. Move over. I need room. Why is that? Well, Barna Research Company released a recent study and their conclusion, there are a whole bunch of things that they concluded, but one of the things that they learned in their, their study, their survey, was that more people want to do faith solo than in a gathering. They want it to just be them and their Bible and Jesus. That's the preferred method of growing in the faith. And hear me say this, you need some you and your Bible and Jesus time. I, I need that. I do. But I need that Christian community as well. I'm in a group um, that meets only every other month, and I'm hoping that it's going to change to every month. But it's a group of seven ministers from different denominations. We meet in Decatur, we eat a light breakfast, and we pray together, and we study together, and we encourage one another. And I can't wait for April 6th to get here when I get to get together with those guys again. Assembly of God pastor, Nazarene pastor, Church of the Living God and Jesus Christ pastor. I mean, it's awesome. I love it. I need it. You need it as well. Look at this statistic up here we're going to put on the screen. 38% of people in this survey said, I want to do it all by myself. 16% said they want to do it kind of one-on-one, -on -one, mentor, protege. 25% would be agreeing with what we're talking about today and say, I want to be in a Sunday school class. I want to be in a group. I want to be in reload. I want to be in coffee break. And then 21% said it's kind of a combination. It's maybe all of the above, but 38% more than any other answer said, I want to do faith all by myself. Why is doing faith solo so attractive? Why is it preferred? And I think the answer is it's easier. It's less painful sometimes. You don't have to make yourself vulnerable. And if you're not careful, it can become optional. And so the world is saying, do it by yourself. Bible, Jesus, that's enough. And I'm saying you need Bible and Jesus. 
but you need community as well. And that brings me to part three, the final part of the message is, what do we do with this? How do we change? Look at your bulletin on the back. Last week, 543 in worship, Bible school hour, 930 hour, 272. That's 50%. How do we change that? How do we go from 50% to maybe 60% or 70% or 80%? How do we get to the next time that Jim Weichel asked you to raise your hand if you were in a study at 930, every hand goes up? Or 90% of the hands go up? Well, I'm glad you asked because the easy answer is this. It's really simple to say. It's really hard to do. You got to just do it. You got to just say, I'm in. I'm making it a commitment. I'm going to be a part of it. And we're going to give you some options. But what I want to do now is I want to stop talking and I want to bring Lindsay and Trisha up. Lindsay Moody, Trisha Bostic are two of the women in our church that I really feel like model this well. And which microphone am I supposed to use? Do you care? Okay, how about we pick number three? Let's go with number three here. But, um, Lindsay is part of our staff. She's working in the area of connections, and um, she's going to talk about that. And Trisha is a school teacher here in town, teacher of the year not that long ago, so that's something right there. And I have asked them to come and to talk a little bit about their experience. And so I know you have shared your testimony. Nate has shared his testimony coming to FCC, struggling really to get plugged in, maybe even getting to the point that you weren't even sure this was the place, and I think a group really made a difference. So talk, first of all, clap for them. Can you welcome them? Clap for them. And now that you have that clapping, take it away. Um, yeah, Nate and I moved here about 12 years ago. Um, the reason why we moved here is because I got a teaching job here. We didn't know anybody except for, you know, the few people that I taught with. So um, our realtor, Terry Etherton, actually invited us to church. So we thought, yeah, sure, we'll give it a shot. And we came here for, it was over a year before we um, felt connected. We um, came to church every Sunday, and we just knew we needed something more and something deeper. And um, the Witskies approached us about being in a, a link group with them. And um, that was our first experience with a small group. And um, there were people in that group that were in all different stages of life. Um, and we were just able to just soak in their knowledge and their wisdom and see what it was like for them to be raising families and um, with core Christian values. And we knew that that's, that's what we needed and we wanted for our family. And um, so after that, we knew... Uh, after that group disbanded, we knew that we still wanted to be connected um, with a small group of believers. So uh, we, along with, um, well, there was five couples, we started an, another small group. And those were the people that were in the same stage of life as us. And we all, you know, we raised our kids together. Um, we did life together through so many circumstances, death and cancer and adoption. We were able to be there for each other and just really um, lean on each other and, um, we couldn't have done it without each other. Um, we would have been lost. We would have been lonely. Um, we were able to um, just bear each other's burdens, and that's what a small group is. And um, after five years, we knew that that group needed to disband and go out and make disciples of other groups. And so every uh, member of that group went on to lead other small groups. And um, Nate and I are currently leading another small group right now, and there's just many blessings that are happening with that group. And it's just been every stage of life, God has just shown us that that's where we need to be. And um, every group we've been a part of has just truly been a blessing to our lives. And um, it's been important to show our kids that too. Um, I know many of you have young kids and 
It's important to us that when we drop our kids off on Wednesday night to go to youth group, our boys know that we're going to also study with another group of believers. And um, they know that that is important to us too. And as we get older, that it shouldn't change. Like they're going to study and fellowship and have fun. And we're doing the same thing with um, people our age. So we've just found that to be very important. Now, now talk for a minute before you pass the microphone, because I know a lot of times people are like, well, that's great, that's awesome, but I'm afraid. I mean, are they going to be handling snakes? We don't know what's going on <laughs> yeah. if I get in a group like that. And yeah. I've actually been asked that question before. But anyway, um, and we don't handle snakes around mm -hmm. here. So yeah. um, talk about, were you apprehensive at all? Did you have any nervousness or anything along those lines? Yeah, you know, I became a Christian really when I was like 22 years old. So when Nate and I got married, I was 24. We came here, I, you know, I was a new Christian. And doing small groups was scary to me. I was scared, like, I didn't have enough wisdom. I didn't have enough knowledge to be in a small group. But, you know, it, I, I was quiet. I sat and I listened and I learned, and that's okay. It's okay not, you know, to be in a group and um, just listen and take in other people's wisdom because obviously it's led me to where I am today and, you know, being able to be a leader and um, stepping out in my faith. Awesome. L Lindsay, I want you to grab the microphone. And Lindsay, um, really appreciate so much her heart for the Moms and Tots program and her leadership there. And that's kind of transitioned to more than just a play day. Not that that's not awesome. We love play days, but talk a little bit about how that's kind of unfolded. Yeah. Um, originally, God had laid um, play group on my heart because of some um, women within our church approaching about us starting that. Um, but about a year ago or a little more than a year ago, um, I just like Trisha have seen, and we were in a small group together, um, God has shown me how important that small group of community um, is. And it might not be a small group. It might be reload. It might be a Sunday school class. Um, but I, I was seeing that these women needed time without their kids as well to get together and really um, discuss life as women. And so um, just a little plug for Coffee Break. It's not just moms. It is all women um, that are welcome to join us on those Friday mornings that we um, meet now. And through that time, um, we share life experiences, we share struggles, we pray together, we eat together. Um, like Greg talked about in Acts, I just really feel like that's what we're living out in those times. Um, and to be honest, I wouldn't share um, all of my heart up here on stage, all my worst fears, my um, worst pains. Um, but in that smaller group, that's where I lay those down and I ask for help in those. Um, so like he said, it's just so important to find that community, that small group, and you have to step out on a limb and do it um, in a church our size. So um, Coffee Break has just been a huge blessing for God to lay that on my heart. And I thought, okay, God, I'll do this for those women. But in return, um, I have been blessed amazingly through um, their stories and how God is using each of them. That's awesome. Stories you want to tell, I'm jumping around in the order a little bit, but you guys have any specific stories, either one? I want you both to share if you're, you're welcome to. Yeah. Um, one that comes to mind is a girl who was really going through a tough time. Um, I invited her to coffee break and was a little nervous to do that, but felt God pushing me in that way. Um, and she came and joined for the first time, and I asked her if I could share this today. Um, she said, I felt welcomed, comforted, and supported, even though she talked very little and knew barely anyone. She said it was refreshing to walk into a room of women that you don't know but have such a sense of belonging and discernment, knowing you're exactly where you're supposed to be and right where God wants you to be. Um, and I think when we enter those, it can be intimidating in a big um, church to walk in and not know where to sit and not, but to get in that smaller um, group and know you're just right where you 
want to be. Um, and then also, I was going to share that there's a mom that wasn't coming very consistently to FCC. She'd come sometimes, um, but really didn't feel connected. And she started coming to Coffee Break um, and really found um, her community there and now has become re regularly coming to church and also is the head of one of our ministries now, which is so awesome. And then lastly, um, another gal that said she'd come to Coffee Break. I kind of asked her if she'd be one of those people each week that would be at a table and help lead discussion. And she saw it as herself going in to help other girls have their community. And she's been blown away how God has blessed her through that time and how she grows um, each time, even though she's one of those leaders. God's really growing her through that. That's awesome. Trisha? Um, in my recent small group, we've been meeting a little over six months. Um, when Adam was here, he asked if another um, girl could join. And um, we said, sure. And then we never really heard any more about it. We weren't sure if she was coming or so we were meeting one night and we had already started and um, she showed up and, you know, she was by herself. She walked around the church trying to find where to go and um, she was brave enough to come and just jump in with us. And when we got home, Nate and I talked, you know, God has put her here for a reason because if it were me, I would have ran out that door. There's no way I would have, you know came to something like that, not knowing anybody and coming by myself. And um, fast forward, you know, six months later, she was baptized a couple weeks ago. And um, she's also initiated a book study with um, some of the girls in our group and other girls. Um, so I'm just really proud of her. And I've just, it's just been one way that we've just seen God work through our group. Amen. Amen. Hey, last thing, advice. I mean, someone's out here, they, they hear the stories, the stories are good. What advice do you have for someone that's not plugged in that, that you know, we're going to talk about opportunities in just a moment. What, what advice do you have? You know, like Greg said at the end of his sermon, just do it. Just um, approach somebody that you know is in a part of a small group, a Sunday school, something you, you know, think that you would just fit into. And it, it might not work at first, but just try it and, um, do it for your do it for yourself because you will be blessed and um, do it for your family so your family can see you being a part of something that is important and see that you know your faith is the most important thing to you so I would just do it um, it's out of your comfort zone probably but you will not regret it um, I can't echo that enough but um, first I want to talk to the people who are not plugged in um, anywhere beyond Sunday morning services and I know I've been there before um, and trying to get plugged into different churches um, and then ultimately coming back here um, after being married and coming back here but um, I sat in the pew for a while and wasn't connected anywhere and it's lonely um, it's hard to keep coming back every week when you come in the door and don't chat with anybody and walk back out um, so you just have to do it. Um, Greg's going to give you all kind of opportunities. Um, we have something for everybody. So if you've tried a group before and it wasn't a good fit, don't turn your back and run and say, I'm never doing that again. That was awkward. I don't want to go back. You've got to try that one thing several times. And even if that's not working, then maybe something different um, is where you're supposed to find yourself. And then... Um, to those of you who feel you already have your community and your support, um, evaluate if it's a body of believers that is holding you accountable, that's encouraging you, that's praying with you, because you need that. You don't just need friends. You need the people who are going to push you um, in your relationship with Christ. And if you have that, awesome. Now you need to be looking for those who don't have their community and who are feeling lonely, because none of us like to be there. Um, so everybody in here has an assignment. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Anything else? All right, give it up for these ladies. Thank you so much for sharing.
Grab your bulletin and grab the yellow piece of paper, the yellow piece of paper. Um, I want to talk about what opportunities are out there. I want to talk about what you can get plugged in starting this week, starting next Sunday. We have opportunities every week for women that take place. There's a 10 a.m. Tuesday. There's a 6 p.m. Thursday Bible study, and you are welcome to be a part of that. Lindsay talked about the play day, but especially the third Friday of the month, the coffee break. This is for all women. Someone said to me, is this just for the women whose husbands make so much money that they can be stay-at-home moms and they have no pro- and the answer is absolutely not. It is for anybody, quite honestly. So come on out, plug in. You will be blessed. Um, it is an absolute blessing. Men, I know it's early 6 a.m., but you can't beat the Kevin Peterson breakfast that we eat and we study the Bible, and it is a blessing. Airy Men's Fellowship goes to a different church once a month. Once a year, we host it, but this week they were at Leroy, and it was really cool this week. Rhett Hillard um, organized a group of five or six younger guys, and they went, and, and we'd love to see more and more people plug in. We have class is every Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. And they're listed there. And if you want more specifics about the individual classes, hit me up, seek me out, send me an email, send me a text. I'd love to talk with you about the classes. But every one of you that are not in the class, you are personally invited to come to the class that I lead. Now, there are a bunch of old people in there, and they're awesome, and I love them, but there are young people in there as well, and we sit at tables, and there's table time for a while, and there's large group teaching for a while, so everyone here, if you're not in a group, 930 Fellowship Hall, we're studying the book of Philippians. We've started offering pop-up classes. What's a pop-up class? Well, Cody started a bridge class that's going to meet for a month. We've had the grief class that's been meeting. Susan and Becky and Ken and Rachel and others have done a Daniel plan class class and a spiritual disciplines class. These are classes that meet for a time. They're not a 52-week-a-year type of a deal, but maybe they're 10 weeks or they're 8 weeks or they're 4 weeks, and you are welcome to plug in. Young at heart for 55 and over. We had 81 a week ago Friday. I want to hit 100 on April 7. Come on out. It is a blessing. We have service areas that I have listed here. I'm not going to mention them by name, but there are places you can plug in and serve alongside people and begin to grow in Christ in that way. In two events that I want to make you aware of, April 9th, Sunday, Ice Cream Social, more information on that, and then the new attendee meet and greet is actually going to be April 23rd. That's a Sunday morning Bible school hour slot, 9.30 hour slot. You'll hear more about that moving forward. Here's my heart today. Here's my heart. You need Christian community. And if you're only doing 1045 service, If you're only doing 815 service, simply put, that is not enough. Bottom line, simply put, let's gather together. Let's make it happen. Let's pray. God, thank you for today. And God, um, I am so thankful for Jim Weichel and Lindsay Moody and Trisha Bostick and their hearts that they have shared for, um, for gathering together, for groups, for study, for doing faith together. Um, I'm most thankful for Jesus, your son, and he's the reason that, that we even have a sermon like that. He's the reason that we even have a discussion like this. And so, God, it's my prayer that this won't just be another message. This won't just be core value number seven, chalk it up and move on to the next one. But that right now, your Holy Spirit will begin to move. And I want you to move especially in the lives of people that need that community. They need more than just worship service. God, thank you for Jesus. 
Help us to never grow weary, to never grow tired of growing in the faith. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing a song that's going to lead us into our time of communion. But for the rest of the service, I'm up front here, and there's just going to be like one big open invitation unfolding for the next